Hey friends, how you guys doing? This is episode 18 of the Becoming Human podcast, and in this episode, we sit down with Paige. He's a Twitch streamer, and he's a part of the Straight Edge community. He shares aspects of his life that are fascinating and very relatable to me. I've swam in and out of using substances recreationally, and I've seen it benefit people's lives beyond imagination and also tear some people's lives down. But I've also seen that in almost everything, whether that's a sport, um, a job, a behavior, just really any behavior in excess causes destruction. And I think we fixate on not just drugs, substances, but on many other things. I found it very interesting that Paige chose to um, be sober because often in my life I've only encountered people who do it for um, religious reasons or because they're not able to uh, control themselves to use it in a reasonable way that's not uh, deleterious to their life. And I thought that Paige was going to be very narrow-minded and he had his rough points just like we all do, but he's a really cool guy, and I was just happy that I got to sit down with him, and I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did. At the end of this episode, uh, there's a track by Hawkeye, and it's No Lies. You can find it on SoundCloud. It's one of his new tracks. I hope you guys enjoy that as well, and if you enjoy this episode, please rate, review on Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, wherever you get podcasts. Thank you much. Hey, Paige. How's it going? So, uh, I'm kind of interested in the uh, sobriety thing. Uh, if you'd like to provide a little bit of backstory. So, so, I guess, so I'm straight edge. Uh, I got my tattoo. My triple X? My, my, my triple X tattoo. What, so what do they do the triple X for? Is that like... Um, uh, you know, it's like any symbol community? for anything. I mean... There's like a community behind it, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not necessarily around here. It's not, but... Um, there's uh so a long time ago i guess first event before i was even born my grandparents got into a car accident uh fatally killing a motorcyclist oh um shit they were both drunk behind the wheel and um they didn't have the charges pressed on them because the motorcyclist was also drunk and high really yeah yeah so the family dropped all the charges wow uh, that was kind of step one. I wasn't even born yet. That was a year before I was born. Ooh. They've been sober since then. That's haven't had a drop of alcohol. Dark shit to come into the world um, with. I think when I was about 11 or 12, my dad threw a fold-up table at me and my mother while oh, he was God. shit-faced drunk. It ultimately caused my parents' divorce. Damn. I mean, he would finish a six-pack on the way home from work. 45-minute mm-hmm. drive, finish a six-pack while driving. Oh, I know about that culture, too. In Idaho, it's very prevalent. I had a lot of yeah, friends die from it was, that. Um, he was sober for a long time. I think he drinks more casually now. Mm-hmm. But um, I think those were two of the bigger bigger factors in my life. And it just never really interested me. I mean, mm-hmm. I had a fully stocked liquor cabinet all growing up. And I grew up in a redneck town. So Yeah, yeah. see, that's what I mean by Idaho. Is I don't mean to be generalist. But the biggest culture over there was uh, a drinking culture, which would be they're also rednecks. But 
for the most part. Yeah, I mean, well, just growing up around here, if I wanted to party, if I wanted to drink, I was able to. Mm-hmm. I had a fully stocked liquor cabinet in our house. If I wanted to drink at home, I... And family, not I don't want to say family encourages it, but the threshold um, for personal responsibility and when to consume alcohol is a lot lower in that kind of culture. I yeah, noticed. and, you know, my mom, that's wrong, she never, I mean, she asked me throughout growing up, hey, do you want to sip on you want a sip of this wine? You yeah. want to try this? Do you want to try that? I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Do, do you have any um, siblings or anything like that who experienced the same amount of freedoms and or no? Um, I, I guess. So I, I grew up an only child. I, mm-hmm. ha- I do have a half brother. Yeah. And about it. well, I have a blood half brother and an adopted half brother. Oh, so I was, okay. I was adopted just by my father when I was born. Oh. By my biological father when I was 17. Oh, wow. Ooh, yeah. that must have been a heavy moment for you. Yeah, yeah, that was a really rough time. Wow. But, and, you know, I still didn't drink. Or, yeah. I just kind of cope with life, yeah, life see, as it comes. You had these other coping mechanisms. Yeah, I mean, I did, I did sports, and mm-hmm. I played a lot of video games growing up. And so, you know, I, I had other ways to kind of get my mind out of things i would i guess virtual reality was something that got me out of drinking in Mm -hmm. real life that was kind of my getaway and not being drunk and see and that's the thing that i find the most fascinating too because um throughout my childhood i've been surrounded by addicts and non-addicts as well mostly addicts though um of all sorts and even outside of drugs um i I wouldn't say i'm not an addict oh yeah no exactly (laughs) and so the the thing that I found most fascinating was is that we see drug addicts, right? Where it's obvious, people talk about them, and it's basically someone who fixates on something to the point of uh, total collapse in the needs in their life, like whether it's uh, food, shelter, housing, or the community around them. Once they start um, destroying those for the sake of whatever they're fixating on, then you can categorize it as an addiction, um, and even medically. Most doctors don't go by it, but the medical definition is when it interferes with your livelihood. It doesn't matter how much you actually use something, it's the interference yeah, of livelihood. Yeah, it provides a negative effect on your life. Exactly, and you persist to use it even after the fact. Mm-hmm. Then there's obviously, that's categorized as an addiction. And what I find fascinating is, is that um, we are very aware of when our family becomes a drug addict, um, but there's addicts in everything. And it's not even in like when you're watching hoarders, for instance. No, in my opinion, it even goes down to hobbies. Someone who, for example, somebody who is like a um, an incredible mixed martial artist, and let's say it's not by genetics, let's say they just did it all the time. That is still a form of escapism, but it manifests in a positive way, so we're less likely to talk about it or even realize it. Absolutely, I, I had a conversation with my wife about, it, or about uh, I guess, my crutch mm-hmm. the other day. Sugar. Yeah. And it's not one that people commonly talk about. It's uh, incredibly hard to get away from. It's damn near in everything you eat. Ketchup yeah, has it, a lot of sugar in it. And it's actually it's an actual neurotoxin. And from the, the research that I've read on it is if you... And you could find it online. Unfortunately, I don't really have any of like the direct links or articles that I could cite. But is um, sugar in low doses to people who have never actually had sugar or lab rats, for instance, actually creates an analgesic effect where they don't. I think that's how you say that word. Where you don't feel any pain because it's mm-hmm. it is it has slight numbing effects. Yeah, I mean, I used but, to go when I was working over uh, at my grocery job, stocking at nights. I would go through. Probably about a liter of Mountain Dew and about five packs of candy a night. Whoa. Yeah. 
Holy shit. And what, when you went out, when you went without the Mountain Dew, how did you feel? Be- yeah, how did you feel? I mean, I, I was down, drowsy. I mean, I guess you could call it a withdrawal, a it, sugar withdrawal. My son's mother wasn't able to get up out of bed. She used to have uh, a 12-pack of Mountain Dew daily, or 6 to 12. And w- one day I remember very well, my memory might not be serving me very well, and I could be exaggerating, <laughs> but I'm trying not to, is she was not able to get out of bed and she was shaking. When, yeah, it, I don't think it ever got that bad for yeah, me. She, no, but, she she had uh, she's an alcoholic too, so she just she ramps shit up. But. Yeah, but no, I I mean, after it got to that point, and I was eating about five things of candy a day, I kind of cut out all sugar for a year, mm-hmm. and within the first month, I dropped twenty pounds. And how how much of a struggle was that for you to cut off the sugar when you made that decision? Was it oh I just made this decision? It was rough. Yeah, okay. it was rough. Okay. I, yeah, I made the decision, but it was uh, it was a struggle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I if there was a bowl of M and M sitting on the table, I'd, you'd look at them and go, uh, "I really want to eat every single one of those yes. M and M's." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and there would be nothing to stop me. Yeah, exactly. Except for my own willpower. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was rough. My best friend said I was a total asshole for really for the whole year. Wow, when I didn't eat sugar. I mean, it just totally changed my mood. Changed. Wow, that is fascinating. My whole attitude and it's interesting how we're. Uh, does it keep dropping on you? Yeah, that's fine. Oh, okay, it's interesting how we. Uh, this is tangential, but how we set up our entire system. Our capitalistic system mm-hmm. where we have these advertisers and they advertise things to us because it's under the the model is is that you assume that we are all rational people um, who make decisions based off of ration or rationale we make our decisions based off of logic and not emotion rather mm-hmm. and that is <laughs> not true at all like we don't it's so easy to manipulate us and having a, um, an economy that's driven off of that creates uh, these pockets, basically pigeonholes people into addictive behavior. Mm-hmm. And whether or not that's with um, substances, even as in pills, and I know that they don't market it to where like, take the pills, but it's set up in such a way that you sell more pills, a company makes more money. And I don't think they would intentionally try to get more people hooked on like oxys or methadones as opposed to heroin. But that's the way that it's incentivized to where it organically ends up that way. And we're like, oh, fuck. Just like with the soda companies where they're pushing this shit out when, in fact, we all know, like, you know, and I know, I'm assuming you know, at least a lot of people I have, I've met know that if you take uh, soda and then you were to put it into a cup and you put a nail in it, it'll eat through the nail in a matter of days. Well, Coca-Cola, yeah. Yes, and um, is it different with any of the other sodas? Uh, Yeah, the Coca-Cola has uh, more acid in it than the other sodas do. Damn! Say if you were to do it with Sprite, I don't don't believe that it would do it as as quickly as, like, Coke or Pepsi. Don't sue me, Coke, you evil bastards. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Coke is uh, some... Vile, wow. vile stuff. And so that that is something... But we all still drink it. Exactly. And we all still allow it to be sold. And we know the reason why people buy it. Like, you conceptually know that can, that's obviously damaging me in some way. But I'm going to buy it, and they're seductive with it. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to care because it's incentivized to where you sell more. It should be, like, um, set up in such a way for the sake of our society. This is rather utopian, but um, you make a product that benefits the person. And if there was some way to quantify to where to success wise like what if good food tasted good <laughs> yeah then 
we would, we would all, all be eating. healthy. That is very true. It's <laughs> very true. We have this crazy aversion to discomfort as a, a people. Uh, it's like me. I, my mother will tell you. My wife would tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's green, I generally don't eat it. Yeah, that's how I was. <laughs> I mean, I'll eat green beans. They're all right. I love peas. Yes. Everybody seems to hate peas. I don't like peas, man. Uh, see, nobody likes peas. You're an alien. But generally, <laughs> if it's green, I don't eat it. Oh, shit. That's a pretty good rule to uh, I can't about. stand lettuce. It makes me nauseous. Really? It makes yeah. you nauseous? What about spinach? Because spinach is not green. It's dark green. No, it's the <laughs> taste of lettuce. Oh. It's not necessarily the texture. It's the taste. And everybody says lettuce doesn't have a taste. You're liars. <laughs> Fucking liars. It's just like watermelon. Everyone says watermelon doesn't have a taste. No. Mm. Oh, watermelon yes, has a taste. Yep. Exactly. But anyway, back to my story. Yes. On, uh, so 11, 12, I had the table thrown at me. That was kind of breaking point. 17, my parents got... dramatic. Yeah. 17, my parents ended up getting divorced. I found out uh, who my real father was. He lived down in Oregon. Did you always know that... Um, your stepfather adopted you? No. Oh, shit. My mother tried to tell me a couple times when I was growing up, but I was just so young and, and naive that I didn't really wrap my head around it. I yeah. didn't really grasp it. Um, Heartbroken. Uh, not necessarily, because my adopted okay. dad is still very much my dad. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's moving to Florida here shortly, uh-huh. but I, he's been out of the country on and off. He flies uh, UAVs over in foreign countries. Whoa. Yeah. That's a trippy job. Cool guy. That, really cool guy. Yeah. 25 years in the military. I grew up in a military family. My mother, wow. my adopted father, my stepfather, my biological father, my uncle, uh, one of my cousins, and my grandfather were all Marine Corps. Dude, you don't strike me as a military kind of guy, and I don't mean that offensively. Nope. That's damn. But I grew up in a very, I guess, strict family. Yeah. I mean, it was lenient, but it was strict. I see, I see. High expectations of you as a human being, but personal freedoms. Yes, exactly. I had a lot of freedom growing up. Like I said, I had a fully stocked liquor cabinet. It wasn't locked. I could go into it whenever I wanted, Mm -hmm. but I didn't. I didn't care for it. hmm. I didn't have any... There was no attraction. Don't... Wouldn't it be because... I mean, uh, it's speculation, why, I, but. I, I personally don't understand why one would be attracted to alcohol. I can't wrap my mind around it. Yes. I guess I could compare it to sugar and why mm. I like sugar. State of mind. Yeah. But hmm. I, I compare it to you can go buy a $60 bottle of booze. Yeah. And it'll last you not very long in the scheme of things or you can go buy a $60 video game so, and it will last you hundreds of hours so that was if my, not thousands that was my argument when I quit drinking and it's still my argument today even though I don't advocate people to quit drinking I just advocate people to make to just uh, like you kind of said is just be wise with your decisions in the long run so don't the things that you invest in should always have give back to you. So, like, we do martial arts, for instance. Mm-hmm. The more martial arts you do, the better you get. And my hypothesis is if you get really good at something, you will eventually either get paid for it or somehow be allowed to do it a lot. Does yeah, that make sense? Absolutely. And whereas if you drank all the time, it wouldn't really work out well for you. I mean, you probably could find a we way to... We see it in some of the people that we go to martial arts with. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it doesn't... 
it's it's not very good. It's detrimental on your life. I mean, look at my grandparents before I was born. They killed a guy. Yeah, exactly. They have that looming over their shoulders for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that fine line. And that's where I, people, where I urge people is not necessarily to stray away from alcohol, be it their own choice, but enjoy themselves in, uh, what do you call it? Don't allow that momentum to get behind you of it becoming a habitual thing. Because exactly. as you know with sugar, anything habitualized, uh, no, that's way too sweeping. Some things habitualized are very dangerous. Yes. And, and as a coping mechanism. No. Yeah. I, I, could say, I could say anything. I yeah, because if, if you do, do anything, if you do anything too much, it could be detrimental on your life. Eight hours a day of jiu-jitsu would probably fuck your joints up. It could fuck up personal relationships as well. Yeah, that's I mean, true, any, yeah. Anything, too much of anything is a bad thing. Exactly. And just in valuing um, success or rank in something is not actually um, a component of happiness, now that I think about it. Does that make sense? Like, just, it's, mm-hmm. what I have just said is that... No. Yeah. And, and, and I've heard this from a lot of Twitch streamers. I lot, I've watched several, several different Twitch streamers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they started out... Uh, streaming on twitch as a hobby something to do for fun so they had people to talk to while they gamed yeah and you know it it kind of snowballed into something more Mm -hmm. and now they have to stream because it's their job yes and they don't enjoy video games anymore the need to play video games and to stream because that's their job that's their livelihood that's how they make money and say you have a schedule Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 is when you stream. Yeah. That's a lot of time playing video games. I mean, that's a 40-hour work week. Uh Uh-huh. Plus, a lot of um, content creators on Twitch uh, Mm -hmm. also do YouTube videos. Mm. And they try and run a community, say, on Facebook or something. Mm. I mean, there's there's a lot more behind the scenes to Twitch. That way you got three screens? Run a community on the side? Uh, I mean, I have three screens on my computer for several things. Yes. I often have six windows up for God knows what reason. God damn. Um, but it's more than a 40-hour work week. It probably turns more into about a 60-hour work week. Yes. It becomes more of a job than, than a love for video games. Mm. But there's also content creators on Twitch that do love what they do. It's- because there's a there's an art portion mm-hmm. on or what's the name of it um creative there's a creative channel on Twitch uh where it's people drawing things and mm-hmm. a lot of these people are doing them for commissions mm-hmm. and they just stream them hmm. they stream them drawing these commissions cool. and they get to talk to people while they draw and you know, explain what they're doing and get suggestions from these viewers. And so there are people that do love what they do on Twitch. So it's, it's not a bad thing. What is that though? Is it, and I mean, it's merely speculating, but, um, is that universally you find that people who like, let's say they're, uh, broadcasting them playing a video game. Once they get to the professional level and are feel like they are pigeonholed, they're required to be doing this to keep, you know, their content up that, their happiness levels just start dropping off that you know the satisfaction from doing that just does it make sense i don't think necessarily the satisfaction from doing it 
I think the satisfaction of playing video games. Mm. You know, mm. like you and me might sit down for four or five hours and play video games. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's how I long, how long I sit down and play video games mm-hmm. for. I used to play for like ten hours. So yeah. yeah. No, exactly. But you enjoyed that whole ten hours, mm-hmm. and then you may not play for two or three days. They don't have that option anymore. Mm. Once you get to that professional level, you don't have that option anymore. You do, mm-hmm. but you're going to lose subscribers. Mm. Which means you lose income, which means you have less money. So yes, you can take days off work. Yeah. But ultimately, you're going to lose money, as in a real job. See, it almost maybe maybe not though. Maybe I'm just being uh, what is it too unrealistic? But it sounds like the way that it is set up in and of itself is creating a um, an uncomfortable, not an uncomfortable situation, but not a good situation for content creators. But that's the thing is all of these content creators have that option. Yeah. They don't have to do this. They don't have to be content creators. Mm-hmm. And some people solely go on to make YouTube videos. I see. And, and when you do that, YouTube personalities. you can trickle out your content, I imagine. Exactly. That's what I do like with podcasting and uh, other things. It's just I create content and then slowly trickle it out. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. And I batch work. Huh. And what I do, though, is I do praise in people who do that kind of thing. And I don't mean this to be a knock on people who do uh, manual labor or anything like that. But in my opinion, maybe I'm wrong in this respect with Twitch. But um, somebody who goes and steps out of the whole mold of, like, applying for a job, uh, basically doing something skill-based or uh, people watch and then you get paid for it. I believe that there is a lot... I, it's a lot more admirable, if you will, because it's such a difficult thing because you're going through doubts. You're going through, like, how to start this thing, finding your voice. Exactly. Whereas I mean, there's, you apply for a there's job. A, and there's a very uh, difficult period, I would say, for content creators. Some yeah. people hit it off really, really hard, really fast, uh-huh. and they don't have to try for it. They don't have to... So... For me, personally, I think I streamed for solid for about three months. Yeah. Like, probably six to eight hours a day. And I think I hit 96 followers. Really? Which is a very slim amount. Yeah, exactly. It's not very many. And there's a there's a burnout period, I guess I would say. Yeah. burnout period yeah i would call it i would say it's a burnout period where you know you're doing this streaming day in and day out Mm -hmm. and you just you you don't feel like you're progressing or you're not progressing fast enough and you just kind of get burnt out as with anything if you do too much of it sometimes that's like podcasting and comedy in my experience with uh because like comedy you go up <laughs> you just bomb you don't get any laughs yeah, no and if you don't get any laughs you, you're i mean you're discouraged you're but it's it's those people that fight through it mm-hmm. and keep doing it mm-hmm. and push and get better and go and go and it's go that momentum right i wouldn't necessarily call it momentum I, I would call it more willpower okay okay i'd say it takes more willpower to to do it because like i said there's that burnout and 
you sit down at your computer one day and you go, I don't want to do this. I'm not getting anywhere. Yeah. And you just, you become very drained of it. And, and that happens to probably more than more streamers than there are successful ones. I would say. Wouldn't that, isn't that the very thing though, that makes it, uh, keeps the market from being oversaturated and also makes it uh towards lucrative and it's i don't know if it's actually lucrative but i mean it's viable because there is this no, sense there are of people pressure. that make six figures yeah and it's streaming on because Twitch. there is this sense of pressure that is so over so overwhelming i'm not trying to dramatize it and obviously i don't know what it's no. like but there's a, a pressure that is so overwhelming that it's easier to just go and do all of these other fucking things no it is i mean absolutely mm-hmm. I, you could say, yeah, it's easier to go get a job at your local grocery store and mm. work eight hours a day and, you know, you get your paycheck. Or, you know, if you're unemployed, you could sit at home and stream and hope to God that mm-hmm. something good happens and that you don't burn out and that you can do it. Fortune favors the bold. Exactly. Mm. It's it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. For my wife, it's easy to do. I mean, mm-hmm. she... She's a great streamer yeah. because she talks a lot. Oh, okay. It's it, the the ones that I've seen succeed are the ones that talk, even if there aren't people there. Oh yeah. You don't have to read the chat to talk. I see. It's and performing. Absolutely, they're a personality. Like any YouTube person, I, any YouTube video you watch with a YouTube personality in it, they're. Yeah, they're performing. And they probably have, like, in their history, have talked to themselves a lot. I mean, yeah, you know, some so of those, verse, those first 20, 30 videos they put out, mm-hmm. you know, they maybe get a couple hundred views from the start for the first six months, mm-hmm. and, and then sometimes they just snowball out of control, and then your old videos get views, and you get ad revenue, mm-hmm. and... And see, that's where so I, on and so forth. I'd feel uncomfortable because I've done live uh, streams of like uh, like on Periscope and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, I'm doing painting and all sorts of weird shit. But when initially I don't have any people on there or I don't have any like feedback, I'm really uncomfortable. And you feel really very hard. awkward talking yeah. to yourself. Yeah, you're gonna sit there for hours oh. and hours and hours and talk to yourself. <laughs> but that's why my wife is great at it. Oh, also so because. Cool she's a woman yeah and i'd say the ratio to women to men on twitch is probably like one to ten that's really interesting too at least i mean yes there are women gamers but there's not it's it's a very disproportionate society Mm -hmm. i I guess i would say i don't think there's anything wrong with that if women are naturally not gravitating towards it if that makes sense because there's this whole idea out there that we should uh influence um, influence people to so like let's say there's not a, very many women in there the whole the thing that they like to jump at or uh, people like to jump at is that well we should create programs to push more women into gaming and what I think that walks a dangerous line because if women don't have a predisposition to gaming I don't think there's anything barring them from gaming as long as we make convey that it's okay if you want to play video games but we don't like force people into fucking. No, programs. I guess it's just a thing to do. You That's know, sit exactly. Sit down and play Call of Duty and shoot people and mm-hmm. pew pew. Yeah, exactly. I... <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very back and forth 
there's an ebb and flow to Twitch, I guess. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, some days you may get 300 viewers if you're a, a decently successful streamer, and some days you may get 1,200 viewers. Oh. I mean, there's a an yeah. up and down to it. There's It's like putting your line out there. If you put it out there enough, you're m- more likely to actually get a higher amount because it's... Yeah, like and if you're, you're streaming, you know, I mean, if you're streaming on a Tuesday at... 9, 10 in the morning, you're probably not going to have as many viewers <laughs> as if you were streaming on Saturday at noon. Yeah. You know, oh. I mean, there's just... And, and when you become a more successful streamer, you can say what your days are off are. Mm-hmm. You can go, I'm going to take Saturday, Sunday off. people seek you. Because, yeah, exactly. People okay. seek that personality and people show up to see you. And watch that person or that personality because either they're entertaining or they're funny or they look funny <laughs> or they have their boobs hanging out like i mean there's a thousand reasons why people would show up to a twitch stream yeah and so it's there's almost just like there's many different styles in a discipline that and it sounds like twitch now is becoming an actual discipline not just twitch but um performing and playing video games or playing in virtual worlds essentially um in your experience how many people are watching these things and so the people i how many people are watching these things and then i got another one which is proportionally how many people try to do twitch compared to how many people watch does that make sense because i feel like so people are people mainly desiring to watch content yes well Yes and no. I mean, mm-hmm. you got the people that want to create content and want to make the money off of it, but you can't go into Twitch wanting to make money off of it. Yeah. You have to go into it thinking, this is just going to be for fun, mm-hmm. and if it's successful, cool. If not, cool. Yeah. That's Good the mindset try. you have to go into it. You can't go into it saying, I'm going to make money. Yeah. Give me money. But, and I, I also, like for me personally, if I were to go onto Twitch... And this isn't looking in it in like the professional eye. It's more or less like I'm gonna. I play video games. I you know I love video games. Uh, let's say I'm playing The Witcher right now. Sure. And I would rather try broadcasting my thing on the Witch on on Twitch while I'm playing Witcher as opposed to watching someone play The Witcher. So, Do most people just want to watch though? Um. Yes. No. So the, I, like I said, there's that. Yeah. I would say it's probably 75 25. 75 people want to 75 percent of people want to watch it. 25 percent of people want to create it. So, for example, you could go into uh, one of the most popular games. Uh, let's say Hearthstone. Yeah. A Blizzard game. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna have the top streamer on an average day who's gonna be Kriparian, and he's gonna have 14,000 viewers. Wait, what's Kriparian? Is that a type of? It, that's the Twitch. Uh, the Twitch streamer's name. Oh, it's okay. It's his... 14,000 viewers? 14,000 viewers. Watching him play a card game? Watching him play a card game. I'm not making fun, but fuck! Whoa. Exactly. So, you could have him at the top, and then it, you know, it falls off very dramatically. The next person below him might have 2,000, and then 1,000. And then 300, and then 100, and then uh, 80, 90, 90, 90, and, and then you have, say, 200 people with between zero and five viewers. 
if not more. Oh, shit. I mean, trying their mm-hmm. hardest to get out there. I don't want to say that you have to catch a lucky break. Yeah. But you have to catch a lucky break. Exactly. Sometimes. You have to get that one viewer, and then people see, oh, this guy has one viewer, he must be decent. And so then you get two viewers, and it kind of snowballs in that one day, and then you get six viewers in that one day. Mm-hmm. And then you stream the next day, and four of those viewers come back, and they go, oh, this guy has four viewers, maybe we'll go see him again. Yeah. And so, you know, it just kind of cascades and cascades and, hmm. and avalanches in that fashion. And so, you know, maybe three months down the road, you have 120 viewers on average. Oh, huh, okay. I mean, it, you kind of have to catch a lucky break. Yeah. You have to get those curious people that scroll all the way down to the bottom of the list yep. and go, hmm, I wonder what this guy's doing. And it takes that just that one domino to, to set off the whole row. I would yeah, imagine. but you get you have to get you know those thirty curious people that go. I wonder what this guy's doing. Yeah, and why is he doing it? I see. Wow, that, and it it must be quite the, like the not to be cliche the wild wild west for it because in terms of styles with personality, how do you go about being interesting and captivating people like? Exactly, and that's, each every, person's going to be different. You're going to have a uh, hundred different styles of people that are going to stream. You're going to have the people that are funny. I've seen people that are total assholes. Isn't that which, what it, I would imagine that's how it started, is just like I people mean, fucking getting pissed. Well, I mean, this streamer was total, total dick. Really? I mean, yeah, and Jesus. he'd have 3,000 people watching him. It's <laughs> kind of weird how we like dramas. But yeah, it, but that's a very rare breed of mm-hmm. of uh, content producer, I, I would say. And he eventually got banned for making racist comments. But whoa, <laughs> that guy sounds like a dick. Yes, oh, he God. was a total asshole. Got banned. Went to a different streaming platform. Oh shit! That is successful on the streaming platform, though. Well, oh, God. Maybe. <laughs> that's crazy. I always the only reason why I had to bite on that one was because like the idea of uh, Jersey Shore and shit, mm-hmm. like things that we think is just fucking god awful, but for some reason we can't stop talking about it or watching. And I would say, I mean, there's a couple of streamers who they'll put their, you know, they'll let their subscribers know what's going on with their life, mm-hmm. why they haven't been streaming, and a lot of the times it's just. Ugh, the subscribers respond very kindly to that because they want to get to know this yeah. this person. They want to know who this person is, why they do what they do, their background, their life story. People people are very curious creatures. Authenticity and want to connect. Yeah, yeah. People mm-hmm. want to be able to connect with... Uh, and I speak of, I guess, a very particular streamer mm-hmm. uh, has a special place in my heart, I guess. Oh, uh, He's a straight edge. Awesome. He, really? He's also a straight edge. Um, Chinglish TV is... Ch- Chinglish TV? Yeah. So, it, yes, it sounds very racist. Yeah, it does. That's why I was starting to laugh. But there's nothing racist about it. That's cool. And, you know, he... I'll get an email occasionally like, Oh, I haven't been streaming. Here's the reason why. I got duped by my mother. I, you know, the last the, all, for the last month, the, the five thousand dollars in in donations that I've got, I gave to my mother, and she didn't actually have this illness that she told me that she had. Whoa. You know, it, it, things like that. 
and just putting it all out there, letting the crowd know what's going on. People really connect. Yeah. And people begin to care about these people. And then you have other people that are strictly just personalities. Yeah. And they keep their personal lives and their personal life and their Twitch life and their Twitch life. And they keep them very separate. One is work, one is life. Hmm. And they're very separated things. Do you notice different success in um, either of them, or is it just... Nah, just, just different, different styles. It's just different styles of streaming. Okay, I guess this, this thing's, thing's so new too, because it's just—I mean, like—I mean, it's not that new. Really? No. How long have we? How long have people have been watching streaming content as if it were? I mean, how long has YouTube content? been around? That's very true. But have been people have been personalities while playing video games? Sure, absolutely. Really? I wonder. Ever since people have been able to record gameplay, I guess you could put a personality on it. Yeah. You know, huh. since YouTube has popped up or any video hosting service, you could. What's the draw or attraction for you on a personal level? Is in maybe your girlfriend, you could speak, or your wife, you speak for entertainment. Entertainment, like I mean, why do people stream? Yeah, like yeah, why do people stream? Do you is it for the sake of the community, or do you like just performing? Like I think some people. I think, I would say my wife does it partly for entertainment and partly for social socialization mm -hmm. okay so it's that, that connection feel. yeah yeah yes. you get to talk to people mm -hmm. then that's why i like uh for instance a new podcasting is because it's one of the ways that i'm able to connect with individuals on a very deep level and yeah that's what makes me obsess over something like that so yeah but uh back to when i was 17 oh, yes exactly <laughs> Whoa, we got it off there i uh, i had another incident that happened while i was 17 17 was a very crazy light or crazy year in my life mm -hmm. uh i had a really bad incident with fireworks Whoa. where i lost one of my fingers and a partial of another finger oh you what dude really i couldn't even tell no nobody hardly notices the scars have faded over nine years in usability wise completely doesn't 95 percent holy shit you were like the most i don't know many people who've lost any uh appendages but you're probably the most fortunate person who's lost an appendage no i had a very 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 talented surgeon i was in surgery in about 10 hours um mm -hmm. yeah fireworks blew up in my hand i was being a stupid damn now you make my butthole pucker <laughs> <laughs> i mean it kind of connects with the the drugs hmm. and, and how because when I was in, I was in the hospital for five days. Yeah, I was oh. on, I was on morphine for five days. Ooh, morphine's some rough shit, man. I was kind of glad that I was on morphine for five days because my room was had to be eighty degrees because I had a vascular surgery in one of my fingers. Oh fuck! So my blood couldn't get below a certain temperature or else it would coagulate and everything's fucked at that point. Wow. So my room was 80 degrees for five days, and I couldn't get out of the bed because I was attached by God knows how many hoses and tubes mm -hmm. and wires. And were you, Was it a traumatic event for you? You were just like, yeah, um, this is uncomfortable. When it happened, I think I screamed for about 15 seconds, okay. and then it clicked in my head that that's not going to help anything. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> I realized that Screaming isn't going to do anything for me. Yeah. So I stopped screaming, and I told my friend that I was with, go get a towel and put this over my mangled hand oh. so I don't have to look at it. And the 
two dozen people standing around don't have to look at it. And, of course, the one towel he grabbed was the white towel. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but Colored red from memory. Yeah, I had to call my mom while I was in the... Um, my, my EMT's name was Frank. Oh, wow. What I did not like know? Frank at the time. No. <laughs> no, because I had broken my pinky and a portion of the bone had turned sideways into my hand. Oh, I wouldn't. Uh, and when Frank was wrapping my hand up to go into the ambulance... Frank was squeezing my hand. Wow, Frank is an asshole. And I told him two times, don't do that, that hurts. <laughs> and he goes, I have to do this. And he squeezed it again. And I said, don't do that, that hurts. He said, I'm sorry, I have to do this. And I looked him dead in the eyes and I said, don't fucking do that. <laughs> it hurts. And he goes, okay, I'm done. Oh, God. <laughs> Later we found out that bone was sitting sideways in my hand. He didn't know. My hand was a mess. Wow, just mangled and fucking, Um, yeah. So my index finger was fractured. I tore the fat pad off the end of my index finger. Whoa. Um, I fractured the base of my middle finger and disintegrated the bone in the end of my middle finger. Wow. Um, I degloved my ring finger. Deglove? What is degloving? So what happens when you take off a glove? Oh, holy shit. Yeah, there was nothing left. That is a very vivid picture in my mind. Thank yes. you. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so it was just bone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my pinky, nothing happened to the finger, but down in the base, or down in my hand, about halfway into my hand, mm-hmm. it broke that, that bone and turned it sideways in my hand. Uh, nothing happened to my thumb. I just broke the shit out of it. That's good, good, because we need our thumbs, but... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I lost my ring finger because bits and pieces were all over the grass. Mm-hmm. You were shooting bottle rocket, or...? No, so... <laughs> Long story short, essentially I made a pipe bomb and I was holding it. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Long story short. Shit. Because it's a very long story yeah. on why we were being stupid. 17-year-olds don't play with fireworks. Yes, or fire. I haven't played with fireworks since I was 17. Really? I would imagine so. I've gone and seen one fireworks show, and that was last year. Oh, God. That must have been hard for you. The nerves were... Mm-hmm. Eh. Well, yeah. But, so, got to the EMT, and I said, I need to call my mom. And I go, sure. Call your mother. Let her know what's going on. Because my friend Curtis at the time had called my mother frantically, going, Paige blew up his hand. He's on the way to the hospital. Um, Yeah. Bye. Well, she must have shit herself. Yeah, my mother was at work. Oh. And so I called my mother and I said, she goes, what is going on? I said, I'm in the EMT. I'm fine. I'm alive. Um, I love you. Don't cry. I'll see you at the hospital. I bet you were all cool, calm, and with that, after that adrenaline dump, just... Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, once I realized that screaming wasn't going to help the situation, I calmed down and I clenched my wrist as tight as I could all yeah. the way to the hospital. Oh, like a champ. Damn. Um, I fell asleep on the way down to Seattle. No, really? Yeah. Wow. That was cool. It's chill. They put me on morphine when I got to the hospital. It's going to be a thing. Oh, shit. I bet. Um, but, I mean, that's kind of... Th- this whole situation has been kind of the, the closest encounter I've had with drugs in the harder form, I guess. Oh. And it wasn't because I wanted them. It was because I needed them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you um, go into shock with too much pain. Exactly. And I couldn't feel anything. Obviously, mm-hmm. all the nerves in my hand were yeah, fucked at the time. But uh, they ended up putting Humpty Dumpty back together, four <laughs> surgeries. Um, they, 
after each of my surgeries, they gave me 50 Percocets. Holy shit. I had a lot of Percocets. Jesus. I think I took maybe about 15 of them. Really? I didn't like them. So when I first got out of the hospital after the five days, just to kind of manage the pain of putting Humpty Dumpty back together. Again, yeah. Uh, I, was in a, I was in a soft cast for a month before I went in for my second surgery to kind of get everything to heal back together. Uh, and then I was in a um, kind of a hard brace. Yeah. And I had to clean all of my stitches and all of the burns on my hand. I had to clean them and put new, um, it's called Xenoform. It's a, it's a petroleum covered gauze. Oh. Petroleum jelly, jelly covered gauze. Ooh, that must is. feel uncomfortable. Uh, it's kind of gooey. Oh, gosh. It's yellow. Oh. Yeah, it was weird, but. Yeah, that would feel weird. So I had it cut up and put into, I had my grandmother help me cut it up and put it uh -huh. back into the packages so I could just grab the strips and put it over where I needed. Oh, cool. Um, but, so I took, I think I took Percocets for about five days, maybe two mm -hmm. a day after I got out of that hospital. In, at any point in time, you never, you, you were taking it simply to ease the pain and it was so like... So, the first five days, my mother was kind of on me real hard about, you know, you need to take these to manage the pain. Yes. Because it's going to go out of control if you don't and you're going to be miserable. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, cool. I mean, when I was in the hospital... My mother pressed my morphine drip to keep me asleep. <laughs> Thank you, Mom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and the nurse yelled at her, and she said, you can't do that. He has to do that. And she looked at her, and she said, fuck you, I'm doing it. <laughs> like a boss. Um, yeah, there was a lot of drama at the hospital. Oh, I bet. I mean... That shit always happens at hospitals. Well, man, especially when at. your room has to be 80 degrees and the thermostat's only reading 79. Oh, Jesus, yeah, really? I cried. Oh, God. Um, anyways, so I took the Percocets for the first five days after I got out of the hospital, and mm -hmm. all they would do was put me to sleep. Mm. I didn't have a high feeling. I didn't have a euphoric feeling. They just knocked me out for five days of sleeping for about 18 hours a day. Oh. I said, I'm sick sleeping i don't care about the pain anymore i want to go see my friends yeah exactly Fucking so i stopped taking zombie. them and then i think after the other three surgeries i took them maybe the first night mm -hmm. that they gave them to me just to kind of sleep that night and then i didn't really take them after that because nothing really hurt hmm. i mean i i guess i would say i have a high pain tolerance yeah no i, I kind of uh, resonating this. pain that's how i am too i got all these cavities and i can't feel shit yeah i mean i can feel it i just ignore it yeah exactly it doesn't bother me i mean that's i guess that's why i'm so stubborn in uh, martial arts mm -hmm. you know someone will get me an arm by i don't tap yeah until it actually hurts exactly your threshold for pain is rather high yeah um but i didn't really take them i didn't like them and i didn't want to take them because drugs i don't yeah that's kind of been the only encounter i've had with drugs with the morphine though any you enjoy it at all oh you just slept I, straight I up slept, slept. Okay. That's, a that's lot thing. damn that's so fascinating because it's one thing to conceptually you know bar drugs like i i don't want to do drugs so i'm practicing the choice of not doing drugs right mm -hmm. and then when you someone offers you something because I, I was sober for like five years i think 
after uh, overdosing and doing all this other shit. Um, but someone offers you something, you're like, and you, you have to make that choice. Yeah, you you say no, I don't want to. You're denying, you know, some slight like, well, I could. Not saying like even it's a struggle, but I'm just saying like there's. I don't even have that. Well, I could. That's thought. what I mean. There's no impulse in you, which no. is I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, cause I drink coffee. I drink coffee. I like. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll have caffeine. That, yeah. It, caffeine is it's in our water. Mm-hmm. Well, we even sense. talked about sugars. You did have an no. impulse to you know have something. No, absolutely, but. and I mean caffeine's so I guess. Yeah, there's, I guess there's more hardcore straight edge that won't even drink mm-hmm. caffeine, but... Yeah. Well, so, this is the thing that was so compelling to me, is that, hmm, 60% of heroin addicts are the result of prescription oxycotton and oxycodone. They were given that for pain, for legitimate fucking pain, mm-hmm. and then they were turned into addicts. And then, once the oxycotton got taken away, they would go to heroin. I might have made up 60%, but there's a lot of people. Uh, but, but, I mean, prob- because it gives them that euphoric feeling, and people like that euphoric it's feeling. And addictive. I, I've never... I want to be in my own mind. Yeah. I that's... want to have a clear train of thought. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to process everything that's going on around me and what's happening. I don't like not feeling there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Not in... Know? That's the thing that I, I find really, once again, just even more fascinating is that, you know, people do drink or take a substance in order to... No, drinking is not to alter, you know what I mean, your experience. Yeah, it literally to, is to, to inhibition. Yeah. yeah. To, to numb some certain aspects of you, like if you're awkward, makes you a little less awkward. And whereas, like... So I get that because what my whole thing is is that I want to elevate my experience and not I'm not even saying substance I just mean with anything I want to run really far to see how far I can run like I want to just enjoy this life as much as I can and whatever makes me forget that or makes me dulls my senses now yeah and, and I don't I guess I don't really look the part of not drinking and not doing drugs because mm-hmm. I'm covered in tattoos and I have piercings and that's good keep doing big, that and I have a big beard we need more but, of it. <laughs> but you know i've i've had lots of encounters in my life where people are shocked or stunned that mm-hmm. i've never done anything i've never had a sip of alcohol i've had no impulse to do it i have no desire to do it i have a desire to stay clean and to not put the garbage and poison toxin mm-hmm. really is what it is to put that into my body i don't i don't have any desire to that yes. to do that um so I, it just yeah. it it has I'm not judging. no it has no appeal to me yeah exactly and it literally from just even what I've heard it sounds like to your fucking marrow it's not something you have to remind yourself no and that's I mean my wife will casually drink she'll go out every once in a while and I don't mind it yeah, that's but, what I'm like how do you feel about that it, there are I guess certain stipulations yeah I impose just. When say so, she smokes for she smokes uh, high CBD marijuana for her anxiety. Mm-hmm. I won't kiss her until she like washes out her mouth. I don't like the smell of it. I don't like. Yeah, I understand that because cigarettes don't like. No, exactly, and I smell. I don't yeah. I don't like that. So when she goes out drinking until she washes her mouth and her breath doesn't smell like alcohol, yeah, I won't kiss her. I'll be around her. I'll hang out with her. I've you, gone to I've gone to a 
I've I've gone to plenty of parties. Really, and you don't resent your friends. You don't resent her. And I don't Absolutely mean to get deep not. in your everybody. Everybody can make their own decisions. Every I understand that it's incredibly socially acceptable for people to drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what people do is they drink. Mm-hmm. I've gone to plenty of parties. I I enjoy going to parties because I enjoy sitting there and watching people do really stupid things. That's what I used to do when I was sober for that five years. I didn't drink, go to parties, and yeah. The, people do really, really dumb things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it, it really But it's not be. going into my body. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I'm not one to tell people what to do with their own body, I guess. See, you that's where I respect you. You can't... I can't go, well, you can't drink. Yeah. Don't drink ever again. <laughs> I can suggest it. But I'm not going to impose my beliefs on you unless you want to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. It okay. is a very, very deep rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. But... So she smokes, she drinks. And it, it's not like heavy she's not an alcoholic she'll go out and casually drink maybe once every other month mm-hmm. but i've made her well aware of the fact that i don't like the smell of it sorry yeah so you know really i'm much. and i used to i used to be very dense i used mm-hmm. to kind of impose that impose my beliefs on my significant other like you can't drink if you drink i don't want to be with you Just, and, and over time I kind of realized that so many people are unlike me and mm-hmm. so many people drink, even if it's casually once every other month, impose my beliefs on someone else and have it be a healthy relationship unless they also want that same thing. Mm-hmm. I see, I see. That's that's why I was very interested too um, because when, I, when my son was born, I got sober. Um, off of everything, I was sober on a lot of hardship. And you did it for your sons. Yes, and it was because my son's mother was an alcoholic so much so that she tried drinking when he was when she was pregnant with him, um, and that really frightened me. And a constant thing that would come up is because I didn't really like drinking that much. I've always just smoked weed mainly, and then I got into harder shit well before my son. And I quit doing that, and I was just smoking weed and casually drinking. But she was an alcoholic, and I'm like, like bad, like where puts me into very violent situations, and violent as in like she's very violent with me, and stole taking my car, and or no, took her friend's car for instance in Idaho. It's uh, five hours to go across the state. She drove into Montana. And she thought she was going the wrong way. She thought she was coming to the house, but she was three hours away from the house with a car that was overheating in the middle of nowhere. And had no idea and, what was going yes, on. Yes, exactly. And then she's, uh, so what happened was, is it would be like, it would always come down to it. You can't drink. You're pregnant. Like you, this is my child. I don't want fetal alcohol syndrome. I don't want to deal with this man. Like I, I want a good child. And it was like, well, you can't tell me what to do because you know, you have an issue with weed. And I'm like, well, I, I don't. So my whole thing was I would doubt myself. I'm like, wait, do I do do I do I have an issue with alcohol? Can I do this? And then so I quit everything. And when my son was born, because it was you know rocky paths. But anyways, once I quit, I was so afraid that she'd go back to alcohol in a destructive way that I was like, no alcohol. And then I saw everyone who drank alcohol as inferior people. 
And then I saw everyone who did drugs as inferior people, and that really warped my view of the world. And that was wrong, too, but that warped my view of the world bad. Really bad. Yeah, and I've... I mean, I've... There's obviously going to be an extreme of anything. Mm-hmm. There's, there's anything. There's going to be that the, very extreme end of we're it. We're talking about sugar and everything, yeah. Well, even, you know, straight-edge people. There, there's the very forgiving and relaxed mm-hmm. spectrum, me. And then there's the very, you know, hardcore, extreme end of things where if you drink, they'll beat you up. That's what I was going to also, because Warp Tour, I've heard that there was some issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and it's... It's not indicative of the whole culture. No, I'm it, not it puts a negative that. light on it, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it, it sheds a negative light on those of, uh, those of us that just want to live a clean life and mm-hmm. want to be happy essentially yeah yeah i mean and i don't think i've ever met an alcoholic that was happy yeah well, i can't say that was truly truly happy mm-hmm. with themselves and happy with the scenario and the life that they have created and i guess i think that's the trick is that any human being who takes anything to too an extreme. far exactly to an extreme that is that, that is not happiness. It's the epitome of um, destruction, mm-hmm. really. It, and just like everything, because you pointed out the thing about jujitsu, which I would have said, well, no, you can you know run or do jujitsu forever and as much as possible and it'll be fine. But no, because that will ruin your happiness. And ranking up, that's just like becoming a CEO. CEO doesn't matter at the end of the day. No, just but I, too much of anything is exactly. not good stuff. As AMPM says. Yes. <laughs> and that reminds me of a study that was done with uh, rats in cocaine. So they gave a... And the rats spazzed out when they took the cocaine away from them. Yes, but what happened was they tried to recreate that uh, experiment because they do that to make sure that those people were actually valid. Mm-hmm. And 2000, uh, recently, they recreated the study. But what they did this time was they took the rat. And instead of it just being a lone rat in a little fucking cage with uh, food, water, coke, they gave it food, water, coke, uh, wheel, and uh, other rats. And they would put the rat, the coke out. Rat wasn't interested. Whereas when they were doing it with just the rat and the coke and the food and the water, no hamster wheel, no other rats, the rat would just do the coke nonstop until death. And I think that is indicative of what we were saying before, which is uh, coping mechanisms. And if your environment is... Uh, what do you if your environment feel if you're basically feel trapped and all your coping me- mechanisms collapse and a lot of people see alcohol as a way out mm-hmm. i guess yeah that's exactly it it's a way out of an inescapable situation whereas like if everyone saw you as a loser and everyone labeled you as a loser then of course you would be using the easiest thing to remove all of your senses and the things that are going on inside of your head but what doesn't help those people who do go down that road with substances we consider them a loser which just i feel pigeonholes further in yeah i mean that's another rabbit hole that goes it is far far down but people are addicts yeah people by nature i'm an addict uh, everybody is yeah, an addict, exactly. whether he has their addiction. And that goes back to the whole thing is what I realized is that people are inferior because they use a substance, even if they use it recreationally. When I was going through that large stint of sobriety, um, 
because I did it out of an emotional issue with the whole sobriety thing and for my son, but it was sparked by an emotional issue. And then I learned that we do have our own addictions because at that same time, I had an addiction to fixing people and I was half the reason why I was in the situation. And not with my son being born, that was all cool, but with having someone who was an alcoholic who could potentially danger my son's health at the time. And that was half my fault because I needed someone that no, I had to fix. You can't force people to do something they don't want to do. Exactly. And that's what I learned as well. You have to learn to accept people for who they are. And then, here's the fucking kicker, is I had to learn to accept myself for who I am and for all my addictions and all my wants and desires and fuck-ups. And that's where it is really interesting because I didn't... I was fighting the assumption. I'm like, all right, I don't know if this guy's going to, like, resent me, you know, because of substances or anything like that. I didn't know how he saw the world. You were really clear-headed, man. Uh, you know, it was, I used to be... I don't mean to placate you or no, put you on a pedestal, but... I used to be very, and it was, I guess, a very recent change mm -hmm. uh, with... There, uh, I'll, I'll start from the beginning, I guess. I used to be very, very against weed. Yeah. Like, very against okay. weed. Don't smoke it. I don't like it. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be around me. I would leave parties if people started smoking. Oh, well. Okay. I, mean, I, I didn't want anything to do with it. I didn't want it in my life in any way, shape, or form. Was that, uh, were you influenced by the culture or were you influenced by an event in your life? Like, why, why did you, where did that come from? It's just, just random. Yeah. I, okay. I guess it kind of goes along with, you know, just the oh, whole straight edge thing. I, yeah. Yeah. I just didn't, I didn't want to be around it. Okay. I didn't want to smell it. I, I didn't like anything about it. Okay. Now I'm. It's so prevalent in Washington now. Mm -hmm. You can't get away from it. Yeah, that's I true. Mean, you you literally can't go anywhere in Washington without seeing a dispensary every mile. Yeah, or you can't go hike on a trail and you smell weed. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't go anywhere without smelling it, and the smell used to bug the shit out of me i still think it smells like a skunk yeah really wow i don't like the smell of it some people do mm -hmm. see when i was this is quick tangent but when i was sober that i would tell my friends when i worked at the restaurant industry to smoke weed in my car because it smelled better than my cigarette smell and i liked it better than any perfume but my mom smoked weed when i was growing up so maybe that was why but anyways anyways um so my wife had guinea pigged all kinds of medications for her anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. All kinds. And uh, she had been diagnosed with uh, bipolar 2, which isn't like bipolar mm. 1, which is the bipolar that people generally think of, where people just flip-flop moods mm -hmm. like, rapidly. Yeah. Um, this one is more subtle, I guess. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, it's just, I guess it's a more subtle version of, of bipolar. It's not as, it'll it'll ebb and flow, but it's not, mm -hmm. you know. It's not so abrupt. It, it doesn't yeah. go from 1 to 10 instantly. Okay. It'll go from a 1 to a 2 to a 4, back down to a 2, up to a 6 maybe. It, you know, it, it had an ebb and flow to it. And she guinea pigged all kinds of medications, and the next option was lithium. Nope. Nope. In case you don't know, the side effects of lithium are liver failure, and it can shorten your life by 10 years. Yep. And that's, like, not even just the, the side effects on the rare chance. That shit's pretty heavy. That's, like, guaranteed. Yeah. 
Oh, it would get the job done. Yep. <laughs> but Should be in a it wasn't too. an option. Uh, you know, it wasn't an option for me. It yeah, wasn't exactly. an option for her. Like, she didn't see it as an option either. Mm-hmm. It was kind of there, like, looming, you know. Yeah. But, like, and so kind of the next option was CBD products. Hmm. And uh, my mother's boyfriend had done lots and lots of research, big advocate of it. Mm-hmm. And my cousin um, smokes a lot because she has bipolar bipolar one crazy cool. Crazy mood and it helps her. She, yeah, absolutely. Ooh, stopped it all. Very cool. She's a very pleasant person to be around now. Um, but you know that was kind of the next option, and I said, I can either. <laughs> the options were shorten your life by ten years and have your liver fail, <laughs> or give up this strong disagreement with something that's not going to shorten your life by 10 years and make your liver fail yeah and it kind of stinks a little (laughs) but there were also other options with all the dispensaries around now there are lots and lots of options you don't have to smoke it you don't have to smoke it exactly Mm -hmm. there's the edibles there's oils there's uh, she does smoke it and she does Mm -hmm. have the oils and uh she has a powder from levi Uh uh-huh that you can mix in with butter to make edibles. That's pretty cool. Huh. Yeah. Um, and I'm less against it now. I'm. I kind of frown upon it for people that use it solely for the purpose of getting high. Mm-hmm. It seems just so far off to me. But for people, I have several people in my life that use it solely for medical purposes yeah maybe not solely for medical purposes but like 90 percent for medical purposes mm-hmm. yeah, they enjoy the effects but they started there because of medical purposes exactly you know um a good friend of mine i call her my second mother mm-hmm. uh she has really bad arthritis yeah like her thumbs are fused crazy bad arthritis and she has edibles she has two cookies every night before she goes to bed how much is that? Does it make it where she can move her fingers or not? Yeah. I, was I mean, her thumbs are fused. So uh-huh. they, I mean, she can't move them. But the arthritis pain isn't there. If she got like $25 on like an off day, there's a cryotherapy thing down in Lake Stevens. And uh, they, they're really good for arthritis. And what happens is, is it creates, uh, gives them mobility. I know fused. Probably never going to get mobility, but I mean, just yeah. any semblance of mobility. Yeah, I mean, but. so she uses that for, for, and they made brownies one time and made mistake mistake of eating an entire brownie. Whoa! Yeah, went way off the deep end, and she said, "Yeah, not again." Yeah. Oh, her shit. and her husband, he he has the same thing, and he also has uh, uh, prostate cancer. Oh, that's good. But. I mean, he also has pain. He's getting old. Yeah, exactly. Back pain, yada, yada, yada. Well, and if anything, just like we're talking about the purpose sets or anything like that, if you're going to take anything for pain, just like lithium. Exactly. And and over the past, I don't know, four months or so, I think Christmas, Christmas Day was the first time that she had gone and gotten something. Oh, wow. Sorry, Christmas Eve. Christmas Uh Eve. And that was kind of that time where... You know, my cousin said, yeah, this is great. This is work. This works. And my mother's boyfriend said exactly the same thing. So I said, I just have to put down my guard and 
not fight this thing that really isn't worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. Basically, challenge. Yeah, in my mind, it's totally worth fighting for, but for the sake of my wife and not cutting ten years off of her life, mm-hmm. it it wasn't worth fighting for. It was so I I kind of put my guard down there and you know she keeps it out in the shed and so it's not in the house and it doesn't smell in the house and mm-hmm. you know she doesn't bring that smell in the house so I I, I don't mind it so much. That's an interesting thing because it's obviously it's broached your comfort zone and it's it seems like it's opened you up to new ideas not in the sense of like sobriety and stuff like that but I mean people and yeah. No, and like we were talking earlier, if, if she has anything with too much THC in it, she has a panic attack. Yeah, yeah so some people don't respond. She to doesn't do it well. for the high. I mean, when she was younger, she did. Yeah. She did it to get high, to get away from life. Mm-hmm. Because she grew up in Philly and it was not yeah. a good area. Yeah. But it was, I don't know, kind of eye-opening, I guess, hmm. to just how closed-minded I was being yeah. about it all. But until the dispensaries came out, until people actually started using it for pain and for actual medical reasons, mm-hmm. it was just something that kind of lingered as a just a drug. Yeah, people just used used it to get high. You couldn't go to your dealer and be like, "Oh, I need something with really high CBD, really low THC, and I need it for my back pain." Yeah, I used to sell it when I was younger, and that was the thing. Is I mean, you just go, "Yeah, I got this weed. Yeah. You want to buy it?" People would be like calling white or sour diesel white widow, and it's like, you don't know what the fuck you're doing, man. It's just, yeah, some backwoods place in Idaho, and that can fuck you up because if you do need indica or sativa or something with a high CBD content, then you, you that person don't know what they're talking about most of the time. So, yeah, I like this. So, and I mean, the dispensaries have kind of, I guess, cleared it all up, and yeah, know, they have to label everything properly so you know what is in what you're getting, mm-hmm. and if it's not. Bad things happen. Exactly. So, um, so I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's just kind of opened up my mind to, Mm -hmm. I guess that whole portion of medical usage. Mm -hmm. And uh, opening, I see. Yeah, and like my best friend, she uses it. She has spina bifida and cerebral palsy. Shit. And I think a couple other things. She functions just fine. Really? I mean, she has a limp, but she functions just fine. She gets uh, severe back pain in the morning. I bet she does. So she used to use it for her back pain, but I I think she stopped using it for uh, other reasons that I won't talk about. Yeah, no, you're good. um, But yeah, she used it for her back pain for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it was great for her. It worked great because it would take that pain away and see for me how I, how I've like framed it in terms of my own like usage profile fuck I don't know where that came from but um in terms of like my guidelines that I set out is with like between alcohol and uh, just barbiturates period mm-hmm. um, never really liked those because like we we're saying before it dulls my senses like if I'm gonna write I'm not really that great of a writer if I'm drunk um, is and I'm not I can't it's hard for me to like cons- know that I'm drunk I lose some I'll forget basically everything that I did but if I um, smoke some weed 
drop a little bit of acid, uh, take some caffeine or something like that, I, I can use it in the appropriate situation to uh, enhance the to situation. To make another Alice in Wonderland? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, for me, where I've come to where it's, like, on a personal level, um, people get have fun with whatever they Yeah, but you don't with. come home every night from MMA and, mm-hmm. you know drop a full piece of paper acid yeah exactly no you're not sitting on your couch tripping balls See, and that's what i what i find fascinating about like hallucinogenics so let's say if i took acid and then uh said the trip lasts like 13 hours right so 24 hours later from when i took it the first time if i took it again you can't get high from it because it has uh your your tolerance is literally 100 percent right away hmm. and i'm mm, the thing about that, though, is I find it interesting because I find some things are very lucrative, like even in the sense of sugar, to where like if I eat a chocolate bar, I I can eat more chocolate bars. You, like, you can eat the, lots of chocolate yeah. bars. You can eat as many chocolate bars as you want. You may feel sick. Exactly. But I can get over that sickness sometimes. I've done that before like because I, I don't do the sugar thing either. And one day someone was like, here's some gluten-free cookies. And I'm like gluten-free and they're awful sugar yeah they are but they're <laughs> sugar-free too and i'm like really so i can just eat all of these I'm like uh yeah it shouldn't you know affect you i ate them all the whole platter in 10 minutes and <laughs> i threw up i was vomiting i was tired and i'm like oh god and they didn't taste very good but no, you did it anyways i was compelled <laughs> but I, I just find it fascinating that there are these things out there that, that are more trappy or more likely to trap people into excessive habituation which i don't see any problem with that because we should all make our own decisions um what should we call it i like you though my my narrow mind is, was opened and that was like two years ago when yeah i realized that uh, every people have other addictions and uh what do you call it? i can't blame someone for getting trapped and i don't think it's no and this, i guess this whole situation with with the CBD products and, mm-hmm. and my wife kind of made me take a step back from everything. You yeah. Know, it's very, you know, drugs are bad, alcohol is bad, end of story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it made me take a step back and go, what's the situation here? You know, everybody has their own situation. Yes. If you're addicted to heroin, it's another situation. Yeah. And, and it's probably not a good situation. If you use marijuana every day for pain that's another situation yeah i mean every person is going to have their own very specific situation that's it's not indicative of the substance it's more indicative of the situation like what you're saying and that's the reason why i bring that up is i think it's an important thing to uh shed light on for the sake of the audience too and i was even curious about how how you kind of conceptualized it the sobriety thing it's banking on for some people it would be banking on like substances are bad because they make people make bad poor choices but it doesn't sound sounds like at one point you thought that but now yeah, you kind absolutely. of think when I first people make poor choices. I guess I first started claiming straight edge when I was probably about 16. Mhm. And yeah, absolutely that's when I when drugs are bad, alcohol is bad. Yeah. Fuck you if you do them. Mhm. And over the years I've, I've you got to calm down. Yeah. And there's lots of different people. And, and you wouldn't consider me and I'm not even doing this for my own like personal reason, but I just a way to uh, for an example, I guess you wouldn't consider me a, a bad person, a person you wouldn't want to be a friend with because I smoke weed recreationally, or would you? And I don't no, take any offense to that. Not, I'm curious. I, 
like I would say, I would just ask you to do it on your own time. Yeah. One of my best friends through high school used to do ecstasy all the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. I think about anything now. Yeah. But when he came over to my house, mm-hmm. he or, or whenever he was around me, really, if, even if I went over to his house, he wouldn't do it. Just out of pure mm-hmm. respect. I see. I like that. And I... I knew. I knew mm-hmm. he did a lot of drugs, but he yeah. wouldn't do them around me, and he wouldn't talk about them around me. Okay. I, I can remember one time where he talked about them around me, and he said, a back massage is great on ecstasy. <laughs> and that was it. It's <laughs> a rather passive comment. Okay. Exactly. And that was about the only comment he made about doing drugs around me. So it's tit for tat. Don't preach on me, I won't preach on you. Like religion, exactly. Then that's what I was gonna bring up too. Is that with because it, 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 in a way, it, at least the uh, straight edge aspect of it is an ideology, not what you subscribe to. But I'm saying being straight edge obviously is an ideology. No, absolutely. And that is a pit, common pitfall is trying to alter the world around you in your own image, essentially. No, it, would I love everybody to be drug free and alcohol free? Uh, sure. Mm-hmm. Would we get as entertaining things as we do? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> would we have to worry about drunk drivers? No. That's true. I mean, there, it would have its benefits, but it would also have its downfalls, mm-hmm. too. I mean... Well, I, I think, though, if we... This is mere speculation, but this is my, like, 10% sure. myth, is that if we didn't have, if we didn't have alcohol, we wouldn't have drunk drivers... But we would still have people who would stop you and pull a gun out and shoot you because of road rage or hit you or, you know, try to fight you. So There will always be terrible people. Yeah, that's that. what I mean. The, the douchebags who, like, just have really shitty behavior and whatever thing they're into. Yeah. It's, and that's what I thought about with the substance was is that um, shitty people use substances also or – that's not very nice. People who make poor choices often – get trapped by substances just as they do with all these other cigarettes yeah exactly but if the substances weren't there we would still have people making poor choices in darkness yeah and i wouldn't say that a lot of homeless people make poor choices Mm -hmm. they get them in that situation i would say probably a good majority of them do see i would put more of that because i've done some interviews with the homeless and i would put it maybe about like 40 percent and a lot of the other would be mental health and then substance in combination with mental health and then weirdness. Yeah, weirdness. you're always going to have weird people. I met a guy, I brought him some tacos one mm-hmm. night, and he did it for 30 years or something mm-hmm. on his own will. He was homeless on his own will. Yeah. And it, was, it just seemed very bizarre to me. He said he had traveled to almost every state in the country Whew. just being homeless and it was just a very, just a, he, he, as soon as I started talking to him, he pulled out a notebook, had me write a quote in it, and I had a little conversation with him. He said, why are you homeless? He goes, I'm not homeless. I'm traveling. Oh, wow. And it was, that was very weird to me. That is, yeah. I've only met one other and guy And he slept like outside that. the Pizza Hut every night. <laughs> Whoa. But, I mean, it, just, just interesting dude. Yeah. I guess. Weird. Yeah, very. Weird decisions, I would say. (laughs) But interesting. Uh He had an interesting backstory. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and I think, though, once again, 
you're in my experience interviewing the homeless um tangent but um is that you're less likely to see the people who aren't uh having issues with substances because they don't they're not ten they don't tend to be the ones who are sitting in front of the busy side street panhandling because they don't they have different ethics and different different shit just different way of uh acquiring funds or different way of you know living and that's what i've seen is that even with like people who are who have mental health issues make up like a lot of the homeless population people who do and do all this weird ass worry shit and it's strange but in other mental health issues i'm generalizing um i wouldn't find them on the side of uh, getting away from people yeah and, but yeah and uh, shitty people man just shitty people <laughs> fuck and how do you feel about uh we kind of touched on it but how do you feel about like coffee and stuff like that do you use coffee or, i don't like coffee you don't like coffee the way it makes you <laughs> I just, feel or no i just, just don't like the taste of no. coffee <laughs> oh, I, I don't like the taste of coffee so i just don't drink it i can understand that this my is... wife gets coffee all the time really coffee in my freezer at home it's coffee see she drinks coffee in the morning because she has to wake up at six o'clock in the morning she's tired acquired taste <laughs> yeah i just don't like coffee that's the thing is that I was gonna say is that the acquired taste. You know how uh, with wine, people yeah, would say sure. that as yeah, it's an acquired it, taste. Yeah. So my whole thing about that and like black coffee, it's an acquired taste. That sounds like you're like you're holding yourself hostage, and then you, you know what I mean. You get that syndrome yeah. where you start well, siding with my it, like, theory oh, is this now. If I don't like it, so. <laughs> I'll try coffee. Sure. I'll take a sip of your black coffee. Yeah. And I go, that tastes like shit. <laughs> Why would I ever try that again? <laughs> and some people go, oh, it's an acquired taste. If you keep doing it, you'll like it. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. <laughs> but if it tastes like shit, why would I keep doing it? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense You're to me. forcing yourself to ingest this. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a... This is not having anything to do with substances, but avocados. Yeah, sure. Like, it was the mushy flavor would make me gag. So every day, I'm like, avocados are good for you. Just eat them. And so I'd cut them open, and I'd eat them every time. And it took me one month after gagging every day, and now I crave them. And it's like, oh, this isn't. But for another example, it'd be like me punching you in the nose, and you going, that sucked. Do it again. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, unless you don't, unless you like your nose being broken, which is weird. Yep. (laughs) It just doesn't make sense. So I just stay away from coffee. I would only say, though, that, and this might be just a rare exception or cherry picking, rather, would be if you hit your shins, it does not feel good at first, and then you build up, your nerves deaden, and then you don't feel, you get your desired result. No, I don't enjoy it, though. Yeah, no. So there's different levels to where we're able to. I go do it through. because I know it's going to produce a benefit for me. Exactly. If I just drink coffee and I go, this tastes like shit every mm-hmm. time. Yep. That's not providing any benefit for me. I can drink a soda and it's going to provide the same thing for me because I'm probably going to load my coffee up with sugar and creamer mm-hmm. and whatever yeah, compensate else. Compensate for it. Well, yeah. I mean, people change the flavor of their coffee. Starbucks has made billions and billions Dude, of dollars starbucks has like 40 grams of sugar in it and yeah, american heart association's recommend value a day it's 25 grams oh yeah. fuck yeah so i mean it, yeah it is what it is i just don't like coffee so i don't drink it, it yeah uh, 
I don't like running into walls, so I don't run into walls. <laughs> I don't like lettuce, so I don't eat lettuce. Yes. I like and I'm not going to say I don't like alcohol. I know I have a very addictive personality. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, that makes sense. Maybe it should be. I games. guess that's part of yeah. another reason that I stay away from alcohol. That's what I was touching on with the morphine before, is I wanted to see if you uh, you hit the button and you want to keep hitting the button. Because some people get like that where like, oh, I want to keep hitting it. I ain't touching this shit. Honestly, I think I hit the button like five times. Really? My mother hit it the rest of the time just to keep me asleep. And that's what found me interesting because morphine is the big pull for a lot of people. Well, it's it's the purest form of heroin. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just don't, I didn't press it very often because whatever. I didn't remember that it was there, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I'm delirious. Yeah, I was in the hospital for yeah. five days. I didn't want to remember it. No. I, sadly, I remember most of it other than sleeping. Uh, sounds like it was rather traumatic, too. Um, thinking about your July, your 4th of July things with loud sounds. Yes, and Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, I just bunker down in my house and play video games with my headphones on. Yeah. So I don't have to hear anything. My dog is partially deaf. He can't hear a goddamn thing. Oh, shit. It's wonderful. Yeah. But my wife's dog is scared of fireworks. So. Oh, that makes sense. I have a lot of buddies' dogs who are scared of fireworks. Um, when you when you were a kid, uh, when did you start playing video games? Um... Not be a kid. Just no, uh, I want it probably PS One, like PS1. Crash Bandicoot and Spyro you and stuff like Jello that. Spyro. I mean, that's I guess that's when I started playing video games. Was it an immediate? Uh, I was about to snap. Um, was it an immediate like attraction to the video games? Were you like, oh, yeah, I really yeah. love this. It was, and I guess it was more. an entertainment thing, and my my wife, my aunt, made a very interesting statement a long time ago a couple years ago mm-hmm. uh, her husband my uncle is a gamer and he I mean they drink they have alcohol at their house but yeah. they'll do it more for you know one after they get off work mm-hmm. yeah exactly but she told me she said it took me about 10 years of being with your uncle to realize that video games weren't as bad as I thought they were hmm. she said I know exactly where he's at Mm-hmm. I know exactly what he's doing. I know exactly who he's with. Yes. If he's at home playing video games. She said he could be out at the bar. He could be at another woman's house. He could be doing all kinds of crazy things. But I know where he's at. So I just let it go. Hmm. And that statement has kind of stuck with me. I see. So if so, basically, you're saying is if you were to choose anything for folly, you know, recreation, uh, recreation for the sake of recreation, I should say, uh, that would be the safest bet. Because if you were to take in it, my eyes, I mean, sure. If you were to ramp it up, there the consequences of that would be less than other things that you could ramp up. Am I saying that right? Yeah, sure. I mean, well, and I guess the cost of video games is relatively cheap too. Yeah. I mean, there's some games you can go get for 20, 30 bucks and literally have thousands of hours of entertainment, Mm -hmm. which in the entertainment industry is stupid cheap. Yeah, it is. A movie's what, $13 to go see? And you get. Hour and a half. Hour and a half to three hours if it's a really long movie. Expensive bucket popcorn! And it's really expensive food. Exactly. 
But, um... Hold on. No, you're fine, man. No worries. I'm gonna grab you some wine. Yeah. Anyways, so I, that's how I've always processed it in my mind is, you know, we could go to the movies for $13 an hour mm-hmm. or I could pay pennies per hour, if not less than pennies per hour Yeah, to entertain myself at home, safe, where I know where I'm at with all my food and my drinks and my wife and my animals in a comfy chair. I don't have to go sit in the very uncomfortable chairs at the movie theater or go out to the bar and buy $8 drinks. Yeah, shit is expensive. It'll last you 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then you go home and you fall asleep and there's all your money gone. Yeah. I guess that's how I've always looked at, at video games is they're very, very cheap entertainment. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go skydiving that I've done several times and that's $200 to jump out tandem. Yeah, exactly. For six minutes of entertainment mm-hmm. yes it's a hell of a fun experience and i would recommend it to everyone it was fun i loved it but it's expensive as hell that's true two hundred dollars could buy me a lot of fucking video games and yeah. that's a lot of entertainment it can't the only thing that i have to say about skydiving though is if you get past fifteen hundred that's a lot of money no twenty twenty five hundred dollars that's including all the jumps it takes to get certified and your suit roughly uh, I figured it was about four thousand dollars to get everything all together to, to, to get certified. It's twenty five hundred dollars just to get certified, and it's twenty five jumps, and you got to go down like two you, hours off. You can do a Whidbey too, which was technically about two hours. I but, don't know if they do it on Whidbey anymore. Um, no, they do. The, uh, I was starting to look into it because I wanted. I got deep in it when I did it first time. I'm like, I want to do this forever. And the only thing though is, if you do get past that that big ass mountain over it though apparently from what it i was drops told down to about 25 dollars a jump exactly and then it becomes reasonable, but... very expensive to yeah. entertain yourself and it kind of leads into twitch is you know you could pay for this cheap source of entertainment and actually make a living off of it some people do well that was going to be my point is that i mean hell hearthstone that blizzard came out with is a free-to-play game you yeah. don't have to pay any money into it mm-hmm. you can it has microtransactions but you don't have to pay any money into it. See, and then people also capitalize on it because if you get really good at the game itself, there's competition aspects or Twitch. I mean, well, and- you get into the competitive scene. Some mm-hmm. people do, and I mean, esports is hundred percent a thing now. Yeah, Hundreds exactly. Of thousands of dollars. Colleges support it in college teams now too. Mm-hmm. And the the thing that I'm kind of even like leading to is is that. Always caution something, just like we were talking about when you know you go out to like you go party, for instance. You don't have to drink, but you just go party. The the pinnacle or the peak of that 
there is no peak of that. There is you partying all the time. Like there's no return to you. No. Whereas like gaming, at one point in time, for fine motor coordination, there was a return in terms of fine motor coordination. But there wasn't much of a return. You're sinking all of like I would sink, and this is extreme. I ramped it up weight really far as a kid, but I would be sinking eight to ten hours on a video game and everything else in the world did not matter to me because i was obviously escaping and i'm not just like we're saying with substances it's not a game's fault it's me as a human being um no, but and, you were you were so enthralled and entertained with the game mm -hmm. that you didn't you didn't need any other source of entertainment you'd get up and go to the bathroom you'd go eat yeah i i do those things but my thing was is it would be i would be less likely to uh, clean my room as often or because I was deep in escaping, though. It wasn't the game aspect of it. It was just the escapism of it. But what I'm seeing with, like, Twitch and stff like that is that there there isn't, like, levels now to where if you were not to get in the form of escapism, but if you were to get really good at video games, there is a form of return. Yeah. That's what I'm saying absolutely. is that I don't believe that there's... I don't like to, and I'm a purist in this form, is that I don't like to spend my time on things where there is no return. So I don't want to get a bigger TV to watch football because what the fuck is football going to do for me except make me want to buy a TV next year? You see what I mean? Like exactly. that, that is a diminishing thing in video games at one point in time, but not for fine motor coordination, but one point in time was kind of like that. If you wanted to get deep in it, to where you spent, you know, most of your time is in to transcend it from yeah, a hobby. Yeah, there is no return, but there, there there can be a return now. There is now, and it's yes, absolutely. We are, and we, and I would like to uh, stress that we're submerging into technology, and with virtual reality, there's going to be more than a return on a lot of things. But virtual reality has been out for a couple of years now, and, and I just don't know if it's yeah. gonna. I personally don't know if it's going to catch on anytime in you're breaking in, my heart in the near future. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> personally, <laughs> just because it's just me when I'm I at know. work and I'm listening to music. Yeah, I keep one earphone out or I keep one one of my earbuds out simply because I like to hear what's going on around me. Even if I'm vacuuming and I got a loud ass backpack vacuum on right by my ears. Yeah, I still like to know what's going on around me. It makes me feel uncomfortable that I don't know like, if my dog is shifting on the couch behind me while I'm playing a video game. Exactly. I, I like to know what's going on around me. And that virtual reality, I mean, you put your headphones on, you put your goggles on, you have not a goddamn clue what's going on around you. Yeah. And that, the allure of escapism in that sense... If Absolutely. That is complete escapism and if it does and if that is the case i know that it, i do know that it will take a long time um and i'm not very i'm very liberal and not conservative in my anticipation in it growing but no I know it'll no take a while, i think but, it will absolutely grow but i think it's going to take a lot longer than than some people anticipate right now it's this form of escapism though is what i am what is really interesting because with video games that pull is real across a lot of spectrums in a lot of different age groups it doesn't have to be someone like i know technology really well no. a lot of like a lot of people are like this is fun and woo and i, I you could give those those vr goggles to someone in a retirement home who's mm -hmm. 85 and can't hear a goddamn thing anymore and you put those vr goggles on them and they're bound to a wheelchair but they could be out in you know a field with butterflies flying around them and that that's awesome. That's cool because it allows them to get 
I guess, almost escape. Mm-hmm. A freedom. freedom. Yeah, yeah, say. yeah. He gives yeah. them escape that from their step. body. Yeah, that sense of free. can't hear a thing. And that's the interesting thing that I have is because that 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 is so compelling to people across a wide array of a wide spectrum of humanity, rather. That I I think that when it does you know click in some way, technology's there, the market's there. That that need that we not need, but that desire that's inside of us, you know, even in the smallest of forms, this form of uh, escapism or freedom, depending on what spectrum of humanity you're talking about, is going to drive that that technology really far. I I almost feel like our um, our inclination to obsess over things or to find things to assist us in coping with life is the thing is the driver for technology in a lot of ways. Does that make sense? Absolutely. We create ways to communicate more effectively because in transcend this I don't want to get all hippy dippy, but transcend this very limiting reality. Absolutely. And, and you know, compared to a hundred years ago, even without technology it was, our, you can go lots of places yeah. more than you could a hundred years ago and there's you a, can do a lot more the compulsion to story too yeah exactly if people want to have stories to tell other people mm-hmm. i like to tell people about the three times i jumped out of an airplane yeah exactly it's fun they look <laughs> at me like i'm an idiot but it was fun it's fucking worth it <laughs> I've, had, I've brought several people with me to go jump including my mother on yeah. my 18th birthday Really, I took my mom on her mother's day. So. Yeah, I took my mother on my 18th birthday oh, because when yeah. I was 12, she told me, or I asked her, I said, can I go skydiving? She said, yeah, when you turn 18. And I kind of held her to that word. She didn't oh. think I would remember it, but I did. Like a boss. Um, so, she was terrified. <laughs> I bet she was. Every, lots of people that I've jumped with were terrified. I I'm was going to too. Die. My wife was terrified when she jumped with me. Oh, you jumped with her. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I'm terrified I'm going to die. This is going to kill me. I love you. Goodbye. And she got to the bottom and said, that was awesome. I want to do it again. <laughs> that is so awesome. Did you have this this budding sense of fear when you first did it? Absolutely not. Oh, really? No. I mean, well, you look at the ground, you're 13,000 feet above the ground, and you go... Yeah, heart goes in the chest. Yeah, you go, oh, I'm going to jump out of here. Yeah. Well, cool. Um... Uh, do I have to? Yep. And then you roll out of the sling. Yep. <laughs> and it's it's so the first time was awesome. <laughs> I, I would it was a great experience. The second time was even better. Really? Because I don't. Do you remember a whole lot of your free fall experience? Not so much. No. 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 Because your adrenaline was coming out your eyeballs. You don't know what to expect. Okay. Yeah, you had no idea what to expect. You had no idea what was going on around you. So that adrenaline was just pumping through every vein in your body. Mm-hmm. The second time I jumped, I kind of knew what to experience. Yes, my adrenaline was up, but I could look around and I could realize what the hell was going on around me and where I was. And that free fall felt like it was 10 times longer than the first time. Ooh. I mean, so it was a 60 second free fall when you jump from 13,000 feet. The first time I did it, it probably felt about 10 seconds. Wow. And then when they pull the chute, your nuts go into your stomach. And... <laughs> yeah. We, do all, we did all these cool tricks and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. exactly. That's but, crazy. you know, the second time, it felt like the full 60 seconds. You could look around. You could enjoy what the hell was going on around you. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, hell, my me and my instructor were singing on the way down. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, the third time we were, that was pretty fun. Yeah, we were a... singing "Free Falling." Oh anyway. God, yes, this is perfect song. <laughs> um, oh shit! But I mean, that was pretty fun. So, you know, it was it was that just one of those blast. experiences that more than once was better. Mm-hmm.
Oh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Paige as much as I did. He really got me thinking about a lot of things with how I used to see people who use substances and stuff. Because um, what really fascinated me was when I, I went from using substances to sobriety, I would resent people who use substances and look down upon them. And other people who I have met who were sober were mostly due to religious reasons. And it was kind of the same thing, is that people who use substances, they look down upon. <coughs> and I mean, it took me, f what, four years until I kind of reconciled that issue. And a lot of it was connected to... A lot of struggles that I had in my life, yeah, like my son's mom and my family as well, and resentment there that manifested in just a blanket resentment for people who use substances. And also, um, but over that time, in the closing of the four years of the sobriety, I, I started to understand that it's way more nuanced, as with almost every fucker uh, subject that I have encountered. It's way more nuanced. And it's never actually about the substance. It's really about the behavior in general. The willingness to do something just at all costs in exchange for survival. Whether or not that's uh, pleasure by the mouth with food, uh, thrill, really anything. And I, I think when it manifests in ways that is unproductive to our society... That is when we uh, begin to protest or uh, bitch and bemoan. And that's when we focus on it. And I also think that's relative to trying to understand your own nature and your own desires and how to, how to fulfill your desires in a healthy way that continues to grow the more you do it. And... When I was sober, I thought substances had no role in that. And now I've begun to understand that substances have their roles in certain places. <coughs> to have fucking fun with. To use for um, rec emotional reconciliation. And to use to connect with other people and disconnect from other people as well. Tools as, if, as everything else. And tools can be misused or used appropriately. I really don't know how meth fits into that picture, though. Because it seems like it's uh, deleterious to your body regardless of how you use it. Same with heroin, too. Also, that could be an example of extremely high dosage. But I don't know. I'm just fucking speculating. Kind of high. Next week, we'll be having Joe Rowetter on the podcast. He is an amateur mixed martial artist about to turn pro and a tattoo artist. From what I've gathered, his story is fucking fascinating and really relatable to my own. It'll be out June 7th, next Wednesday. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Bye!